0: Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them.
1: Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now.
0: Happy New Year!
1: Happy New Year to you! we're here we're
0: here 2023 and happy new year to our listeners so glad you're with us for another amazing year i believe that there's something to be said for the first
1: part of the year when everything feels fresh and new and exciting and we're excited because this year we're changing things up a little bit and so we want you to keep listening because we've got great speakers coming on we've got a wonderful new group coaching program called Leading Edge Collective. Oh, and you know what? You can go onto our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com and click on the link that takes you to the application. It's at the top of the page and fill out the application. And you've got a whole week to do that. We've got until January 13th.
0: So we're really excited about our guest that today. I know. Yeah, we recorded several weeks ago this amazing guest, and so we're going to toss it now over to that episode. Keep listening. Hi, Tricia. Hi, Crystal. How are you? I'm doing good. Today, we're talking with Dr. Marilyn Gist about how to be a great leader and the extraordinary power of leadership humility. I'm really excited about our guest because I've had the good fortune to know her over the years mm. and she has been an inspiration and is an exceptional model of what a leader should be. Wonderful. And when I say over the years, I mean, over the years. <laughs> <laughs> I first met Dr. Chist when I was studying at the University oh. of Washington for my undergraduate degree. She was my professor for a class on leadership, engagement and motivation. So let me share a little bit more about her career. So in her career, Dr. Marilyn just has taught leadership to over 1,500 managers in executive classes at universities and in consulting, and worked directly with more than 200 C-suite leaders. She has heard their finest practices and their greatest challenges. I always think that that's such a gift when we get a chance to actually peek into Mm. their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And she is qualified to bring the best of science to advise and develop them. She serves as full professor and academic administrator at University of Washington and Seattle University. She led the design and development of Seattle University's leadership EMBA degree program from its inception in 2006 to rank as high as number 11 in the nation by US News and World Report. She has shown exceptional thought leadership Google Scholar, I love this this data point here, Google, Google Scholar shows more than 15,000 mm. citations wow. by other authors of her research, listing her as the most cited scholar at Seattle University. She has also been a consultant for a wide range of organizations. Imagine being the leader everyone admires. Dr. Gist inspires leaders to become just that by showing genuine regard for others' dignity and or sense of self-worth. This is what leader humility means. As author of the extraordinary power of leader humility, Marilyn has extensively studied why leader humility is the essential foundation of all healthy organizations. She has validated her work with interviews of prominent CEOs of companies ranging from the Mayo Clinic and Ford to Starbucks and Costco. This best-selling book has been featured in Forbes and Quartz, and Marilyn's ideas on leader humility have appeared in The Hill, CEO World, Sirius SM, Wharton Radio, and numerous podcasts. And now is on ours. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Blanchard, who authored The One Minute Manager and who we love, yes. says, this inspiring book belongs on the desk of every CEO and politician in America, and so why wouldn't that be nice? Yes, <laughs> Yes. only a matter of time. Required <laughs> reading. <laughs> Marilyn earned her B.A. from Howard University and her M.B.A. and Ph.D. from the Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland College Park. <laughs> Trisha's saying, I love that school. I lived in Baltimore for a long time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she is a member of the Academy of Management, American Psychological Association, and the International Women's Forum. So I'm so honored to have you here, Doctor Gist, and oh, I know thank you so much. <laughs> yes, and I know our listeners are going to learn a tremendous amount from you, and I, I think it's just so wonderful this topic because it is so aligned with what we're trying to do in the world is to make a better world. And so, mm-hmm. like like as I was just reading um, in the bio, you know, required reading like humility. We need more of it in yes. the world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I was going to say that it's the most timely topic I think that we've had in a while, actually. I mean, it's all of our topics are, are timely, but this one right now seems to be screaming at me. You know, I, I, I have leaders that I work with who are absolutely on board with this and others who struggle and want it. And so I think this is a good time. I'm really happy about this. Good.
0: Yeah. Good. Thank you. Yeah. So anything, Tricia, else that you would want to say before we jump in? No, I'm just
1: excited about this. I love this topic, and I think it's so important. And it's one of the, the most overlooked topics, I think, often. So um, I, let's just jump right in.
0: All right. Shall let's we? do it. Okay. So tell us your story, Dr. Gist. Oh, okay. Well,
2: I'll. Um, there's a lot of years to this story. Yes. So maybe I'll, I'll start a little in the middle with the, a part that's relevant. I was um, moved into a leadership position fairly young. I was in my twenties and I was not good at it. I had been a great individual contributor and I drove myself and thought that if I just drove everybody else, first of all, I thought they would all be like me, which is, you know, a rude different, And I had no idea how to really lead people. So I was driven. I was harsh. Um, and it just wasn't working very well but what that experience did for me was to cause me to kind of look around and try to pay attention to this this idea of leadership and what was it and how did people do it i hadn't been given any leadership training when i took over that first supervisory role so i had to kind of wing it and i you know i paid attention for example to uh, social movements like the civil rights movement and mm-hmm. how it was often the case that not our uh, elected leaders, but individuals who simply emerged with a passion and a way to galvanize ide- galvanize people around ideas, uh, those were the leaders that made a difference, whether that was, say, Martin Luther King or the Freedom Riders or you know Rosa Parks even not giving up her seat on the bus so i really began to see that leadership was about influence and then i you know and i as i moved into my academic career and had an opportunity to work with a lot of business leaders top ceos i began to see some of the good and some of the not so good and begin to look at the downstream effects whether those were on financial performance or Uh, reputation, um, brand damage, um, you know, turnover and exits from employees, that kind of thing. So I got curious about what the behaviors were that leaders exhibited that led to those positive or negative outcomes. And then, of course, uh, as we move even farther forward, we look at the great political um, divisiveness in our country right now. Mm -hmm. And We really have a need for leaders who can help unite us and heal some of that. And I look at what qualities does it take in leadership to do that as opposed to increasingly um, polarizing us or just amplifying the existing polarization. So those are some of the things. I have long been a student of this topic uh, of what works, what doesn't work, and how we can embrace a set of behaviors that um work extremely well and move us forward.
0: So important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like you were saying Trish as far as the timeliness, just what you were talking about that polarization mm-hmm. that this is this is really a time we need this. I love yeah. the I love
1: the part of your story where you're talking about how you started because <laughs> I, I had the same experience. <laughs> my first my first supervisory experience was a disaster and it almost derailed me for a long time. Yeah. It took me a long time to actually open my eyes and see that I was doing myself harm, as well as others. And it was time to take a look at a different way of approaching. And so I love that you came to that. And were able to, you know, through observation or analysis or whatever, you were able to see that this is not just you. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me, it it happens across the board.
2: Yeah. And it's it's actually painful when you are not succeeding that way. I, I ended up Stepping out of leadership, not being fired, fortunately, but stepping out of it on my own and going back to grad school and into higher ed and teaching because I thought I can't lead. I'm not very good at this. Mm -hmm. And it was really only after doing more of my own work and research that, you know, Uh, probably about 15 years later when I was offered another leadership position very reluctantly I stepped Mm -hmm. in and I thought well you've learned some things maybe you can do it better and found out that yes I could be great at it but uh, which has given me this sense that Many, many people could be great at it if we can help them understand what it takes. So thanks, Tricia, for saying that. Oh, that yeah.
1: And that is the key, I think, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know, people have to have that insight. They have to have had their light bulb go on, you know, for them to right. get it. And and once they've got the light bulb on, they need to understand what the steps are to get there. Because it's not right. that easy. It's not intuitive, it's right? It's
2: not. Some people do it naturally, but very, very few. Most yeah. of us Really stumble with
0: it, yeah. And I was actually just working with a um, a group doing some group coaching, who were early on in their career, and I thought it's so great that the company was investing in their their mm. leadership skills because before they start to get some of those bad habits, yes. that they've learned it, yeah, Right. yeah, they've right. Built, picked up the good stuff. They've actually, you know, suited them up to be successful. So, so everybody needs to be listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get
1: that listeners? We need you to listen. Everyone. Yes. (laughs) So Dr. Just humility isn't widely recognized when we think of great leaders. How did you become interested in that topic?
2: you know my that topic specifically came up as i worked with executive mba students over the years and particularly the last probably 10 12 years of that um working with seattle u we had uh some companies routinely send people they they had that as part of their developmental plan and so every year we would get uh say two or three students from the same company coming in And over the years, I would hear, you know, when you talk leadership in the classroom, inevitably they refer to what goes on where they work. But I would hear some of the same kinds of comments about leaders in some companies and in other companies. And sometimes those comments would be really good where people would, they'd go to the ends of the earth for the people who led those companies. And they would talk about them with a sense of passion and pride and, they they gave everything they had in terms of creativity and effort toward the organization's goals it was very inspiring and again you hear this year after year after year from different people but working for that same set of senior leaders and then there are other companies where what you hear would curl your hair yeah (laughs) and i won't repeat it but it would be very critical very negative Many of the people were um, demotivated. They would say things like, you know, I just am here for a couple of years because it looks good on my resume, but as soon as I finish this degree, I'm out of here. Or, you know, the the amount of turnover we have, senior leaders don't realize how much they're losing from opportunity costs because people can't really do the jobs the way they should because of policies and practices or fear. So, I really began to hear what some of the behaviors were, and I began to suspect this thing called humility uh, as really making a difference in the kind of culture that the organization created, the level of trust that people have, and as a result of that, just how much of their energy, their full embodied energy, they're willing to put into the work uh, and to the goals. As opposed to just going in and, you know, marking time. Yeah. And let me just follow up here and say, you know, the Gallup organization does an annual poll on employee engagement and they do it globally, but they also break it out in terms of U.S. numbers and year after year after year. The United States comes in on a good year at 34, 35% engagement. That means that two-thirds of the people are simply going through the motions on the job. Some of them may be spending their full, say, eight hours uh, doing a really good job, but others are kind of mentally checked out. Mm-hmm. And and those who in that two-thirds that are not engaged are not giving anything above and beyond. They self-report on these tests that they're either looking for another job or they're just biding their time because they need a paycheck. They're not really trying to uh, help advance the company. Mm-hmm. So that's just a huge, huge loss uh, for yeah. all of all of our organizations
1: you know it's when you say that it makes me think of the term that's been running around for the last several months called quiet quitting and you know in some cases there are people who are going in and to your point they're just putting in the motions they're just doing the bare minimum and then getting out i can remember years ago telling people that it was okay that that you didn't make your job your absolute top priority because we have families, we have a life and, and, you know, hopefully your job is just something that you're, you're doing so that you can make what you need to be able to live the life you want to live. Right. And, and um, boy, now I'm thinking, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have said that so much, (laughs) but it's, but I mean, I do believe that. I truly believe that. And, but I do see it myself. You know, I've I've read a lot about the quiet quitting and you know, I have friends in the world who work for organizations in the you know, North Pacific Northwest and a lot of them see that where they work. You know, it's Absolutely.
2: Just, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's one thing if a person is constraining their work um, energies because they are trying to balance family or, you know, other issues but while they're there, they're still giving their all. Yes. I think it's another thing when people are are largely checked out because they're demotivated or they're unhappy. Yes. And yep. in an ideal world, Trisha, I'd like to see everyone, every employee being fully engaged because mm-hmm. they're passionate about it, because they believe that what they're doing matters and that they yes. matter. Yes. Yes not so much about the number of hours, but it's really about, you know, have you captured their soul and their Mm -hmm. spirit uh, Mm -hmm. as a leader? And when you do that, let them choose how many hours they need to put in based on other commitments, but at least they're feeling fulfilled. And I think when you have that, they're not doing the quiet quitting because they know that this is a great place to be.
1: Right. They feel valued. And I think, and they know that they add value, which I think is, is so important. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we all want to make a difference. We we yes. all want to know that the hours that we are spending matter. Matter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when people hear humility, it's it's a common thing to say, isn't that weakness? So yes. can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes. Of humility? It is a,
2: it is a common thing to ask that question. So I I was just yesterday, um, Uh, doing some advisory work with uh, some of my recent work is around women's leadership advancement. And one of the things that many women don't do terribly well is self-advocate. And we're not trained to know how to do that. And so I was coaching her around the need to do that um, and some specific ways. And she said, well, I'm confused because I score high on leader humility. And that's important. You've told me that's important. But if I start advocating for myself, am I not, you know, failing to be humble? And so I'm going to end up coming down on humility. And I said, no, 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 you're confusing humility with meekness. And that's not how I define it in my work or in the book. What I define it as is leader humility means feeling and displaying deep regard for others' dignity. Shorthand, it means respecting others' sense of self-worth. So when you do that in every conversation, you keep that in mind that I'm talking to another human being and all of us have and need, a sense of self-worth. So my conversation has to unfold in ways that preserve their sense of dignity. And that doesn't mean that my self-worth and my sense of dignity gets to be trampled on or ignored in this process. And so the dance, and this is the way in which the coaching was important, is how does a leader preserve her own dignity in this case, since it was women, a woman attempting to advance and have those conversations in the organization that help advocate her needs and her uh, concerns while also protecting the dignity of the other people she's talking to. Mm -hmm. So it's really not about meekness or weakness in any way, Crystal. It's really about Um, respecting the dignity of others and keeping in mind at all times that every human being you're talking to has a sense of self-worth. And if you violate that, uh, you've lost their support.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, So processing what you're saying, because I think, (laughs) think, no, I, I think it's so important. And I've I hear sometimes, you know, humility, I hear vulnerability, you know, all of those things that, um, and I won't, I won't, you know, try and be sexist about this, but I guess it kind of sounds like it, but I know a lot of male leaders who are very uncomfortable with that. And that is, I think, our superpower. I mean, if women, you know, sorry, guys, but (laughs) if, if women in leadership can show that that's a superpower and not a weakness. I think that's Mm -hmm. just, you know, that it would go miles. And it might even open up some of the male leaders who are afraid to do that because they're afraid that it will make them look weaker. I'm not trying to put them up on any pedestal, but at the same time, I think that men could use a boost in some of these human skills that uh, they don't have.
2: Right. So, you know, in my research, I found that leader humility is equally important for men mm-hmm. and women. It predicts salary, it predicts, mm-hmm. you know, budget mm-hmm. size or revenue for which you're responsible and so forth. So it's really important. Women have a narrower band of how they have to behave in order to be seen as having that humility, mm-hmm. but not being considered meek or weak, in mm-hmm. part because there's some bias about women not being strong enough to lead anyway, and so they have to kind of be careful of that. And I would say that there's a higher proportion, but not as high as you might think. It's about 60% of women who will come out as being relatively strong in leader humility and about 45% of men. So there are a lot of men who do get it. Um, And in fact, you know, maybe at some point we'll get back to some of uh, the basics research that i've done um for the book but part of it was looking at which ceos were led by companies that uh where they had a, le- a high um i'm not saying this right where they were very humble in their own behavior and how that really powered their companies mm. forward
0: mm. yeah yeah that sounds really interesting So thinking about dignity, is there anything else that we should know or our listeners should know about dignity?
2: Um, So I would say, you know, just to again uh, highlight that it's really about your sense of self-worth. And we all have things that go into what make us feel valuable as a human being. And we all have a right to decide that, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in this country, we think being alive in itself is valuable. And most Mm -hmm. of us would agree with that, but there's a hundred other things. I think of it as you have a backpack of stuff that goes into your self-worth and I have a backpack of stuff and, you know, it's all different and it's invisible so when i first meet you i might not know all of the things that are in your backpack that make you feel good about yourself um if if i mean some of those things maybe i could see like i could see you're a woman uh and i might assume that you appreciate that about yourself so i might not want to say things that Um, are negative or cut down women because, you know, you'll identify with that and you'll feel upset or hurt. Um, But we think about a lot of the demographic characteristics like age, race, sex. Um, It could be faith. It could be nationality. It could be where you grew up. But it could also be things like your neighborhood uh where you live. Um I remember at one point and again this is telling tales on myself but when I was in that junior leadership role I had an employee who lived in a part of town that wasn't considered, you know, economically advanced, shall we say. And I didn't know that at the time, but it just in casual conversation I I made a passing comment about you know, that part of town kind of being rough or undesirable. I don't remember how I phrased it. And she bristled. And she didn't say anything to me about it. And it was a few weeks later, when I understood she lived there. Mm -hmm. That was something that for her was in her backpack that I didn't know. But the fact that I had passed negative judgment on something that belonged to her, meaning it was she had grown up there, her family was there, this was her community, yeah. she valued it. Um, I violated her sense of dignity and uh, I never recovered from that. She was, I mean, we, we continued to work together but it's things like that that I think we have to understand is that um, if you want the maximum engagement, cooperation, creativity, passion, trust, out of the people who are working for you, you have to support their sense of dignity. And that means opening your mind to the fact that we all come from different backgrounds and we'll all have different stuff in that pack that we care about. Um, You know, Another example, you might be talking to somebody who is fully abled, but they have a child or a parent or a sibling or someone in their family who has a disability, whether that's physical or mental. And if you make passing comments that trivialize that or joke about it negatively, you've hurt their dignity. So there's just lots of ways where we, as leaders, especially because we have power, have to kind of open up and say, there's a wide range of human condition. And it's my job when I'm leading people to be open and, and take care of all of that because uh, people have a soft underbelly. And if I start kicking it, I'm not going to – I'm going to lose my followers.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking I'm just making that connection right now to trust. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as you were talking, and we know that trust takes a long time to build and yeah. just a second to destroy. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you got to go back and spend Ten all that time rebuilding it. Yeah. So, yeah, that that dignity – helps build that trust. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it it makes me wonder
1: if you know, when you see a leader who does not connect with people at all, and it may not be that they don't want to, but they may be afraid to because of maybe to your point, they might say something that that hits hard with someone mm-hmm. that works for them. And and I'm wondering, I mean, it may be just the story I'm telling in my head right now, but it it's certainly worth a a little bit of digging into as I work with other people to to see how they feel about being open but respecting and trying to ensure the dignity of others when they're communicating freely, you know, as a leader. So. Yeah.
2: And I think people are more forgiving than we would think. I think what they look for is not necessarily that you would know everything about their situation or the things that are soft spots for them because none of us fully get all of it but that you but that your intent is in the right place and if you do stumble that you apologize it's like you know two people trying to go through a doorway at the same time and you bump into someone you don't make a career out of oh i feel awful as a human being because i bumped into you you know you say you're sorry you mean it you know oh excuse me i'm sorry and you keep on going, mm-hmm. but they but they look for that genuine concern of oh I'm sorry I didn't I didn't mean and then curiosity can you help me understand more mm-hmm. tell me more about what this means to you and um, I, I'd like to learn I'd like to understand and so that goes a long way to doing the healing for yeah. people um, if they sense there's genuine intent in that.
0: I think what you just said there is really powerful that it's not just the apology. And I think a lot of people stop there, but yeah. the curiosity and help me understand. Yeah. That's the empathy piece. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So follow, the apology followed by. Yeah. Asking questions, understanding, connecting. Yeah. That's and really that to important. Me,
2: if I could digress for a second, that to me is a big part of what's missing in our political divisiveness. Mm-hmm. We have very, polarized views Mm -hmm. and we have evolved into you know if you're the opponent you're on the team my job is to just stomp on you and i don't want to listen i don't want to hear where what we need to be doing is saying help me understand i may not agree with you but i i'd like to understand why you feel the way you do and let's get back to a point where we can have disagreements but they're more respectful uh, in part because we have that natural curiosity. Yeah,
0: yeah. So okay. important.
1: So, this sounds like just a difference in style that some leaders have. Is there any research showing this? Oh, yeah. So,
2: I mentioned the Gallup studies. Um, the original work on humility, at least that I am aware of in the field of business, was done 20 years ago by Jim Collins in his book good to great where he did a very well-designed carefully controlled study of looking at organizations a group of organizations that started out all of them kind of in the middle of the pack as good organizations and then tracked them for many many years and looked at which ones became great which ones stayed merely good if you will they didn't uh you know they didn't go away but they didn't rise to greatness and then he examined What made the difference in the organizations that became great? And what he found, which was somewhat surprising to him, and this was great in financial performance, reputation, things of that sort. Somewhat surprising to him, the difference was leadership. And there were two qualities that organizations that became great had in their leaders that those that remained good did not. And one was what he called fierce resolve or drive. They were just driven to succeed and their leaders had deep personal humility. So they often weren't flashy, they weren't necessarily sophisticated, they might've been quiet, they could be more introverted, but they were deeply revered within the company for their humility because of how they interacted with people and supported others' dignity. And that lifted the companies up because again, it galvanized and engaged the whole workforce, and everybody started giving everything they had. So this is the first thing I'm aware of in terms of research that showed that leader humility mattered. Um, Part of what I think I brought to the field in my book was that in all the years between Jim Collins' work and mine, there really wasn't a crystal clear definition of what we mean by humility. So some people would feel as, you know, the question you gave earlier, well, isn't this meekness? I mean, how can you be a strong leader and be humble? That's like, you know, those are opposite concepts. And people were confusing humility with meekness or weakness, or they would think of it in a faith context. You know, we hear... Mm -hmm you know, humbling oneself before God, and they would say, well, what's that got to do with business, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think that it didn't take off, uh, the way it has begun to more recently, and I think what I've been able to, you know, bring to the table is this idea of let's just focus on this one aspect of what humility is, which is deep regard for others' dignity, their sense of self-worth, and when you have that, that's a behavioral thing. And it's very relevant in business leadership or leadership in the government or anywhere else. So yes, there is some research that shows that um, this works. And it's because leading means relationship. And humility is the foundation for any healthy relationship. If I violate your dignity, you know, on this show, if I insulted you or start to say things that Uh, violate your sense of self-worth, you're not going to want to talk to me ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And in this case, you don't have to. But if you were my (laughs) employee and you felt like that, you might become one of the quiet quitters, right? Uh,
1: Let's hope not.
0: Let's hope not. Yeah, Uh, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking it's also in this kind of new world that we're working now with so many people working from home that the opportunities to build connection are more rare they um, are more what i hear and what my i experienced when i was doing that was that people are spending their time that they have in connection with other people super focused on business mm-hmm. so you know you're in meetings and the agenda is out there and you're clicking through it there's no arrival let's just chit chat let's build connection yes. no you know the proverbial water cooler i said that to a younger but people the other day and they were like completely lost like, what are you talking about <laughs> 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 but um, but it's that the limited opportunities for connection so i would think this actually makes it even more important because yes. you don't the only opportunity you have is when you're actually in these zoom Zoom meetings. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that is that is so critical. And I notice it
1: more, you know, and I, you know, I hate to say thank goodness for the pandemic because it was a terrible thing, but there were good things that came out of it and some of it yeah. was realization. And so to to for leaders to see for the first time maybe that, you know, what worked so well when you're one-on-one face-to-face in an office, you need to work at you have to work a little harder to make that same connection, build that same rapport and maintain it when you're talking between two screens. And so um, I, I could see this being something that would be even more critical to be focusing on at, yes. during these times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So in your book, you talk about being a leader that everyone admires. Do you mind talking about that?
2: yeah i think the um the you know the more people admire you as a leader the more passionate you are about following them and the more you're going to give and when i say give i don't want to make that sound pollyannish but you know we all make choices and when people are working with you Uh, they have opportunities to say, you know, I see this project about to run off the rails. Do I go and tell her what the risk is or do I let it, you know, fail? Uh, If I don't admire her, if I feel fearful, it's going to be, you know, I don't want to get my head chopped off so I won't say anything or I'm upset with her so let it fail and that'll show her Uh, So there are lots of ways in which people make that choices. They've got a customer who's grumpy, who gives them good feedback. They could take forward and say, hey, we could do a better job on this. Um, There are just a lot of things. There's creativity, problem solving, relationship building that Um, our coworkers do day in and day out. And they make choices about how much of themselves to roll out into that versus just, you know, it's not my job. I don't have to do it. So it's those things that are adjacent to the job where the real potency is from a productivity standpoint. And I think when you're talking about a leader that everyone admires, you're going to get much more of that. And what goes into that is a combination of being driven for results, as Jim Collins would say, and, you know, really being good at executing on that. But the other part is being really good with the relationship piece. People don't admire you. Well, this is generally true. It's not entirely true. I would say over the long haul, people generally don't admire leaders who aren't very good at the relationship Mm -hmm. piece. They might admire them short term because they're doing something jazzy and new or because they're making a lot of money. But I think over the long haul, they begin to look at that and look at what is the impact that they're having. And if that impact is a negative for people, they begin to lose that admiration. And, um, you know, the, the effects are just not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I am. We were, it's a few episodes ago, but we just recently did a, a podcast on, um, the sort of the myth of the charismatic leader, and mm-hmm. that that it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not you have to have the other pieces that go with it. Yes. You can't just survive yeah. on that. Yeah, and, and sustainability is so it's so critical. It's yes. so critical for long term business success. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was curious about this connection between humility and ethics. So where do you see that show up? That's a good
2: question, Crystal. Um, When you respect others' dignity and self-worth, it begins to shape your thinking (laughs) in different ways. And one of those, uh, some of my current work is around leader morality, because one of the things that flows from genuine humility is... um, honesty, rigorous honesty, I can't respect your dignity and feel good about lying to you. So I have to be willing to be honest. And I, that means not only honest with you, but I have to be honest with myself. And leaders are always in this um, position where sometimes they are they have access to confidential information, they can't reveal it. But that doesn't mean they have to lie. Uh, one of yeah. the best leaders I ever worked for would say, here's what I can tell you. There are other things that are still in flux that I'm not able to you know, share at this point, but as soon as there's clarity or I can share, I will. So he wasn't lying and we all trusted him because we watched him during times of retrenchment and budget cuts or layoffs step forward and tell us what he could, you know? So you don't have to lie. Um, So I think there's that piece and there's also being honest with yourself where some people I've seen are concerned with their own advancement and they might be working in a context where they're being asked to do some things that are unethical and because the boss is someone they want to, they rely on for the promotion, they're not very honest with themselves that this is asking them to violate their own values. And so they just sort of say, oh, okay, and they'll go along with it. And in that process, then they turn to their coworkers or their employees and they're not honest with them too. So I think, um, you know, to your question of how does it connect with ethics, honesty is one of the important ways. And then tied to that, the second way is moral action, Mm -hmm. that if I really respect your dignity, there are times I have to be courageous, I may have to speak truth to power, whether that's my board or the senior executives of a company and say, I think your proposed policy is not wholesome for the following reasons, and if that's not a popular thing to say, I put myself at risk, right? But I still need to be willing and able to show that moral courage in order to make the right decisions and take the right actions that do support, um, my friend Alan Mulally calls profitable growth for all. So Mm -hmm. all of my stakeholders and caretaking for their dignity really kind of points to certain paths that we should take, and it takes courage to stand up on those paths and not some of the others. So that's the tie-in to ethics.
1: I love this. I truly love this. I, I spent years doing succession planning, and in talent review, one of the things that always seemed so important to if we're looking at potential future leaders or future executives was do they have what it takes to stand out on that limb and say what's not popular because it's the right thing to do and I stood on that for years because I think that's so important and yet I think that often we see that get put a little bit it's not that people don't practice they just don't talk about it they don't make it a um a value of theirs or whatever that that people will be more conscious of it I think it needs to be a conscious thing
2: it does and one of the things that I found and it comes through a little bit in the book is that the the lead those who practice leader humility the CEOs I interview who practice that often had something stated in the vision uh, for the company that was around do the right thing I mean Costco mm-hmm. for example has its code of conduct and you know one of the things at the top is do the right thing you know it's not about um just doing what's legal because ethics falls more in that gray area but is it the right thing you know yeah. you you're empowered with the the right to make a judgment on behalf of the customer do the right thing for them mm-hmm. so yeah i think the the more we can get the humility to um, ask the organization and all of the leaders to do the right thing, the better it's going to be in the long
1: run. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big lift, though, in some cases. It, yeah. Is.
0: Yeah. it is. Yeah. 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 And and then supporting them when they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. Did. That's supporting always the challenge.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like yes. you empower people. And that only goes so far until they make a mistake. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. You made a judgment that was different than what I would do. And uh, and then there you go. It's a process. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It is a process. Yeah. So it's it's really sticking with it. All right. We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to unpack a little bit more about the gender differences and leader humility. What have you found in your research there?
2: Um, well, I mentioned earlier that it uh, it's important and it predicts for both men and women, meaning both need it. Um, and I found slight gender differences in that it is stereotypically true that women may tend to show more, women as a whole may be more humble. We're sort of raised to be more concerned about other people's feelings. And so it is more common to see um, you know, women about 60, 40 will, will show more humility than, uh, men where you'll find about 45% will show it and more of them need to kind of learn that that's important. Um, but it does prove to be powerful in leadership, uh, for both sexes. And I have found, you know, in the CEOs that I interviewed, and again, going back to Jim Collins work on good to great, there are many men who do this quite well. And they're very well admired in their companies and very inspirational to watch. And as I interviewed them, what struck me was just how how much it came from the heart and how much it powered their organizations to growth and excellence. It was just really remarkable to see that.
0: You know, and there's probably no research on this, but one thought that just came to mind is sometimes these qualities or behaviors that we sort of um attribute more to women so when you were trisha when you were first you were saying oh don't women display this more and the research does show that a little bit but we sort of have i don't know if we'd call it a, a feminine a f- sort of feminine trait men who display that get more credit for it does that make yeah. sense yes so i was thinking like this still happens every day and I noticed it more – it was more pronounced about 10 years ago because things seemed to be equaling out a little bit. But a woman who would – this is not leader humility. Mm. <laughs> I've taken this off course a little bit. But That's a woman okay. <laughs> who would leave uh, a meeting or not come to a meeting because they got a call that they had to go pick up their sick child. The, the judgment around that was, oh, she's not dedicated. Mm-hmm. Right. A man would leave to go pick up a sick child. And it would be good like father. he's a hero, right? Yeah. Oh, what a great guy! And that used to just drive me crazy. I don't know if there's any, you know, um, if there's anything there around the humility where a man would get more credit for being humble, whereas we would um, or de- demonstrating the humility versus a woman where we would expect it.
2: That's a good question, and it's not something that I've studied. But I could see it being plausible. I mean, you look at this respect for others' dignity and supporting their self-worth, and it could be that part of the reason we admire men who do that so much (laughs) is that it's not as common.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, interesting. Whereas
2: whereas women um, who may tend to do it more uh, don't get as much credit when they're doing it because we expect that out of women. Yeah,
0: yeah. And a woman
2: who doesn't, probably in reverse gets more criticism mm-hmm. i have heard that you yeah. know what they call her right yeah <laughs> right. right. <Yep>.
0: They really <laughs> yeah.
2: criticized yeah. for not having that leader humility yeah
0: yeah interesting interesting wow um are there other resources you offer for our listeners
2: sure so through my website um there's access to a couple of tools so there are companion tools mm-hmm. uh assessment tools for leader humility that uh, are very reasonably priced, but people can buy and a number of individuals have done that as well as some organizations. And so you can just go there and click through and it gives you a, an online assessment, totally confidential takes about 10 minutes of your time, it's immediately scored and you get a uh, 15 to 20 page download, depending on which version you buy. Wow. Uh, that really assesses you on the six keys for leader humility that the book discusses, as well as things like meekness and arrogance um, that are somewhat related uh, to to those keys. Um, I also have some emerging work that will be available in January. I mentioned looking at uh, women's leadership advancement, Mm -hmm. and that work is kind of pulling me along but um and i I hadn't really expected that because i was thinking it would stay in the humility space but i did a large scale study looking at um, what predicted a level of salary um, revenue responsibility number of employees supervised and i included uh, men and women and this was a study of thousands and got a large response rate and found lo and behold there are different predictors of advancement for men and women. I hadn't expected that. And specifically women need more competencies than men and different competencies. And so what I'm, uh, I built an assessment tool for that that is not, it's not—it's—it's finished, but not available. I've just finished doing some focus group with work with women and I'm doing some preliminary coaching. I mentioned the, the one I spoke with yesterday, who was confusing the need to self-advocate with, you know, won't that hurt my humility? So I'm in a process of understanding more about what women need as they take this test and packaging uh, some training and coaching around that. But that will roll out in January, and it's available through the website as well. So um,
1: that's that's fascinating. I think it's going to be an exciting um, unpack. You know, I I can't wait to see this um, unfold a bit. Um, You mentioned something about how men and women need to have different competencies or women need to have different competencies. And I don't want to unpack this too much because I know it'll be revealed in January. (laughs) But um, are you talking about competencies that men don't have to have or competencies that need more emphasis on, that women need to emphasize more than men would need to, the same competencies?
2: I would say both. Um, The Uh, To some extent, men on on some of these men have it and they use it more uniformly so it doesn't predict the difference in salary across men, for example, because everybody kind of does this and part of it might be that they're socialized differently than women as a whole. So in that sense, it's yes, they both need it, but men have it. Women aren't socialized in the same way. So aren't as naturally inclined to behave in certain ways. Uh, but there's another one where um, it simply doesn't matter for men, they don't have to have it. Mm-hmm. But women, do. <laughs> And I, you know, that may be unfair. But the data show this is what explains the difference. This is one of the things that explains the difference in why women advance. So, you know, I'll just briefly mention a couple of things. You go through your career and you find your own stumbling points and you personalize it and you think, well, this must be me, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's been very helpful with this research and women are finding it helpful is to realize it's not just me. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to take it personally. I can now come up with an action plan to fix this because it's something so many women are dealing with. So that's just been uh, a really great outcome of this is to just depersonalize it and say, this is just something it's, it's a set of competencies like anything else on the job and we can learn it and we can move forward. So my hope is it doesn't take away from the importance of diversity, equity and inclusion efforts in an organization, but that's working with policies and practices and trying to change implicit bias. I think this is working with women directly to say, let's get the education of what it takes uh, for us to be able to rise uh, in organizations, and let's make sure we understand and know where we are, and build our own competencies to do that. So that's coming, and as I said, it's been pulling me forward. I I started thinking this would be limited to understanding the humility piece better, but there's so much more that's come out of it that I'm uh, now beginning to work more specifically on this issue of women and their own leadership advancement.
0: Um. So interesting. And I, I really do hope we can have you back to yes. um, to dive deeper into it. I for think sure. we need
1: to have you come back. Thank
0: <laughs> <laughs> you. So our last question, and of course, I, it's probably a lot of what you just talked about, was what are you um, sort of going forward? What are you uh, really excited about? Um, and what's next for you? So it's definitely that piece you just talked about, I'm sure. That
2: piece. That piece is the main thing. If I can move the needle uh, in the rest of my career on helping more women break through that glass ceiling, that is something that just totally excites me. And, you know, I want to say here, I don't hold the belief that every woman should want that or Mm -hmm. need that. I think there are lots of choices we make in life. And as Tricia indicated earlier, it might not be that career is your thing or that, moving on up in leadership is your thing. That's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. What What I'm struck by are the number of former students I've stayed in contact with, women students who come to me and say, you know, I am ready for promotion. I want to be promoted. I've been in the role seven years. I've watched two guys move past me. You know, I don't understand why. And beginning to do the coaching around that so that for those women who do want to advance, we can remove uh, the internal barriers that are holding us back. Mm-hmm. So if I can move the needle on that, it's great. And then the other one, and, and Trisha, you might like this because I saw you smile when I <laughs> mentioned it, is I'm doing some work on leader morality and showing how if you really do have genuine humility, It drives moral virtues and moral behavior. And we have stopped talking about the importance of morality in leadership. Mm -hmm. Do we think it's important if we look at some of what we've seen go on nationally, for example? I would say yes. We've got to get back to understanding that when we select leaders, we also need to pay attention to levels of honesty and moral courage. Um, Those two... Um, moral virtues in particular
0: yeah there's a business case for it yes <laughs> i see <laughs> it's richness not in the just possibilities a fluffy, nice thing yeah, yeah. it's not yeah. just a fluffy nice thing <laughs> absolutely yeah. Yeah. No, this yeah. is like
1: a game changer i think you know and you know I, I love calling out things that are new and different and maybe aren't as new but they're packaged differently or the approach is different and yeah. i love this because to me this is new we haven't I haven't seen anyone put an emphasis on this before. And I think this is something we need more than anything right now. So I'm excited about hearing about it on the front end and I can't wait to see it once you've, once you've released it. I think this is a game changer for coaching across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, it is.
0: Appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming today. Uh, I know you. I learned a lot. I did too,
1: <laughs> and you've been so fun. <laughs> oh,
0: thank you. Yeah, well, it's been
2: an honor to be on this show. This is such a wonderful podcast, and your thank you. you know your idea of lifting leaders is very consistent with the work that I'm doing. And I just um, am proud to see how successful you have been,
0: both of you. So oh, thank you, so thank much. you so much. Yeah, yeah. and we'll look nice. forward. Uh, to our next conversation, okay. <laughs> which I think will be with mics and, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and recordings and yeah. all of it. Yes.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, Thanks. take right. care. Thanks okay, again. Thank you
2: so much. Take care.
1: Right. Bye. I think that was a fascinating interview today. I loved it.
0: Yeah. So interesting. I learned so much, and I'm really excited to hear about this new research that she'll be talking about coming up in the next few months. So, oh, I have high yeah. hopes
1: that this is going to be a game changer for women in leadership, and I'm so excited to see it. I'm, um, I'm thinking we're going to be talking to her again very soon. <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep that conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. There are so many exceptional podcasts coming up, more with fantastic guests, just like Dr. Gist. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them. Text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests or the show please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leadership coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. As always, we want to thank Ari Chance Roberts, who's our technical advisor and our support. And lastly, we'd like to ask you to subscribe to our podcast. It's absolutely free. Thank you so much, Crystal, for bringing us Dr. Gist. That was so much fun today. It was fun. Find ways every single day to lift each other up. Have a wonderful week.